So Ayu is life and then Veda is knowledge. So essentially it's life knowledge. So it's how to live your life. Um, It's like a framework you can think of it in the sense that when you start to understand your place within it all, then you can start to put in the, the patterns and the processes or the routine or whatever that helps to almost scaffold your life a little bit better. So it's all about building the foundation and understanding the principles and then building up the scaffolding and then everything's nice and structured and everything's sound. Hey, hey, welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. I am your host, Jackie Tan, and I wanted to say a massive thank you for tuning into the show today. This show is all about human performance, whether it's about hitting those PBs in the gym or heading out to work with energy, clarity and hyper focus every single day. This show is for you. I chat with experts, athletes, coaches and authors on all the best tools, studies and strategies to help you train smarter, recover quicker and perform at your best. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. And today on the show, I'm chatting with Ayurvedic practitioner and founder of Modern Ayurvedic, Madeline Holmes. And I'm going to say straight off the bat, this conversation is everything and so much more. Madeline breaks down what Ayurveda is, the three doshas and how to determine what yours is. She also explains the symptoms you might experience if you have an imbalance in your dosha, how to identify what the imbalance is, and most importantly, she helps you understand what it is you need to do to bring back balance so that you can feel good and really play to your strengths. And that's what I love about Ayurveda. It helps you understand what you're feeling, why you feel that way and how to thrive. And it helps you understand you. She has helped me so much and I've learned even more about myself through this conversation. So I know you're going to get so much out of this and no doubt there will be so many light bulb moments for you. So without further ado, enjoy this episode on Ayurveda with Madeline Holmes from Modern Ayurvedic. Madeline, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. Thank you, Jackie. Excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here because you actually helped me last year before I headed over to Sydney. And Mm. it was one of those things where, you know, it's, it's not until something... I was going to say shit hits the fan. <laughs> kind of oh, does. Yeah. <laughs> that you go, I really need to figure out what is going on. And I kind of felt like at that time, no one was really giving me answers. Mm. And I came to see you and I just, it was this big light bulb moment. It really explained my symptoms and what I was going through. And I really felt empowered then to look after myself in a way that I probably had, well, hadn't done in the past, mm. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> things didn't go so well. Um, <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to diving deep into what Ayurvedic 
is today because mm-hmm. that is what has helped me. But before we do, mm-hmm. I'd really love to know what was your journey getting into Ayurveda? Into Ayurveda. So there's a little saying with Ayurveda that Ayurveda doesn't, well, you don't find it, but rather she or it finds you. And so I think everybody's got their story with it. And so my particular story um, really comes off the back of obviously the typical journey, which can be a bit of yoga and and all of those things, but it really was about self-discovery for me. Um, At the time, I didn't have very good skin. Um, That was a lot of cystic acne. And I knew that there was that natural um, reason for that. And I knew that there was, I needed to get to the root cause. So there was that element of skin, but then there was also um, a a deep-seated past in eating uh, with an eating disorder. And so when I was living overseas at the time in London, I developed um, stomach ulcers or the doctor didn't say that I had it. He said I simply ate too much Christmas pudding, but um, I wasn't eating at the time, so don't know how that happened. And uh, I developed um, what seemed like stomach ulcers. And I had this light bulb moment, like you said, like a light bulb moment. And I was like, I did this to myself, therefore I can get myself out. And I started to look at all these things that can help. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that there was that Ayurvedic link. I hadn't even heard of Ayurveda before. But about, you know, maybe nine months to a year after that, I met a a new friend who'd just gotten back from India and she told me about this thing called Ayurveda and what it meant and what it did. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of already doing that. And so then I looked it up and I could study it. And it was the course was starting in Adelaide a couple of days later. And so I booked in with Dr. Bosco, my teacher, and had a little consultation. And I was just bawling my eyes out, like just crying, 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 because it was just this knowingness that, oh, I found it. Thank God, hallelujah, that um, th- there is this thing that I believe in without knowing what it was yet. And um, yeah, it was just this knowingness. So I was very quick, very vata, very quick moving. And uh, I just made that call and started studying a few days later. And that was that. Wow. When you, when you cried and you said you knew, was it, was it you, you know, that calling as in, this is your path, this is what you're meant to be doing? Yeah. And I, yes, definitely an element of that, but I think it was more outweighed by the fact of, oh, this is my journey for healing. And I think, like I said earlier, when you study Ayurveda, a lot of the time you don't actually know how transformative it's going to be for you. And you might go in there being like, yeah, I'm going to be a practitioner and I'm going to help all these uh, people. But what Dr. Bosco said to us on our first session is, yeah, you know, you're going to, you're going to be studying Ayurveda, but the next two years or so are going to be the most transformational for you. So it's all about you first and then you essentially figuring out your shit that's hit the fan, like you said, (laughs) (laughs) and owning that a little bit and delving through that because you're your greatest teacher with Ayurveda. And so that's what I tell clients as well. Like it's good that you get to experience this. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't – how can you help someone else if you can't even help yourself? Yes. Like, I mean, and that goes for any practitioner with what you do, with – naturopaths with doctors um i think all types of practitioners and professionals really need to look after themselves more it's a human thing 
yeah. um, because that's not only going to help themselves and their immediate environment, including their friends and family and the quality of all those things, but it's going to then help how they serve other people in whatever profession they're doing. Yeah, it really is that practice what you preach. Yeah, totally. So mm. let's dive straight in. Sure. What is Ayurveda? So it's very broad, um, but if you break down the actual word Ayurveda, so if you go, where are you? There. <laughs> That's first. Yeah, it's opposite, so I'm not good with this. But if you go Ayu and then Veda, so Ayu is life and then Veda is knowledge. So essentially it's life knowledge. So it's how to live your life. Um, it, it's like a framework you can think of it in the sense that when you start to understand your place within it all, then you can start to put in the, the patterns and the processes or the routine or whatever that helps to almost scaffold your life a little bit better. So it's all about building the foundation and understanding the principles and then building up the scaffolding and then everything's nice and structured and everything's sound. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. So, so then I'll continue and then no, I'll ask the- No, 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 you go. <laughs> That's you it. Go. Well, mm-hmm. So what's the foundation? So the foundation would be, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but understanding the key principles in Ayurveda, like understanding what makes up the universe, for instance, um, your elements. What makes up the universe? <laughs> I know, big question. I feel like that's like, so what's the meaning of life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me that. I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. One moment. Um, but, yeah, if you think of like, and literally that analogy came into my head just then, so bear with me, but we'll build on it. Sure. You know? So foundations can be like your philosophy, yeah? So like I said, it's understanding what makes up the universe from an Ayurvedic perspective. It's your elements. Um, it's then tiered down into your doshas, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about, my favourite topic, which is essentially these energetic forces that you embody, some more than others, right? And then it's understanding that everything in the universe is more dominant in certain elements and do- more dominant in certain um doshas and what that means is it sets up yes a physical profile but also from a human experience a mental and emotional profile as well and it starts to I guess build up your universe like it gets to build up the world around you and then if you think of the scaffolding as these routines and the processes and the rituals I guess and understanding um how to create something from the ground up, okay, with strength and vitality, then you can just keep building up and building up and everything that you build in the middle, which is obviously the whole reason for the scaffolding, is going to be pretty good, is going to be really sound. And so the scaffolding is the stuff that you, so you said rituals. Yeah. So it's the things that. The things that you do every day. Yeah, I think rituals, people think that rituals is like, well, I like incense and I'm literally looking at my incense now. And it's like, yeah, that's a ritual. And some burns in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a ritual for sure. But I think um, your ritual and some can be really positive and I talk to clients about that, but some could be kind of contraindicated, I guess, for where you're currently at with your balance or imbalance. For instance, a ritual that so many people in the West do is that the first thing they do when they wake up, 
what's the first thing you'd put into your body in the morning? Oh, my coffee. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, hmm, ritual. Not the best one right now. Yeah. Yeah. So rituals don't need to be this ritualistic spiritual thing um, in Ayurveda. They can simply be what are you doing every single day that mm. you almost can't break away from for whatever reason. Yeah. So if, if we westernized it, you'd say mm. habit. Yeah. It's a yeah. habit, yeah, which can be constructive or not so constructive. Yeah, yeah, That's which was me, by take. the way. Yeah. I used to it's wake up us. and do the coffee. Yeah, oh, I used to do it too, <clears throat> absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Breakfast first. Breakfast first, exactly. <laughs> not on an empty stomach, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the doshas. I feel like that's the thing that people know about and, well, hear about at least the yeah. most. So yeah. um, let's break that down. Sure. So with before knowing the doshas, you need to understand like what makes up the universe, I guess. And yes, the doshas are in that, but you need to almost take a step back, like really like macrocosm. Okay. So if you break it down to five elements, okay, the Panchamahabhutas, which is what we say in Sanskrit. But if you look at the five elements, which is, and if we go from light to heavy, so up here you've got air, oh, no, sorry, first you've got ether, which is space, and then you've got air, and then you've got fire, and then you've got water, and then you've got earth. And everything in the universe can be described as being made up of the qualities, okay, of these elements that they embody. For instance, air and ether, they're quite light. So is fire, but water and earth, they're not light, they're heavy, okay, simple. If you then use another um, uh, duo, which is literally your um, shower taps, which is hot and cold, then they're opposites. It's understanding that, well, which one would you think, Jackie, is the hot one? Which one would it be out of oh, all the fire. elements? Yeah, yeah right. so it's fire, exactly. Yeah. And so the other four, they're classified as cold. So what the elements really show us is on a quality level what everything can be described as and then where the doshas come into play is it's this energetic relationship between two different elements coming together. For instance, if you have a look at, say, we'll say the first one, the lightest one, vata, vata is the ether and the air coming together. So if you visualize these qualities of vata, which is really light, it's really dry, it's really cold, it's quite rough, it's very subtle, it's very mobile, and it's very clear. Well, if you had a look at that in nature, that's really similar to the wind. So it's understanding then the properties and the qualities and what the wind actually does in nature and then applying that to the body itself. Does that make sense? Yes. So then if you have a look at Pitta, for instance, which is the second dosha, um, Pitta is made up of fire and water together. So, again, it's not like you're looking for fire and water and then plugging them together because that won't work because we know how they interact. Yeah. But it's rather looking at the qualities of water and looking at the qualities of fire. And one of them, like I said, with fire is the heat, yeah? yeah. But then one of the key qualities of water is its liquid component. So if you just take those two, because they're probably the most um, 
easy to understand. If you take those two, put them together, then you've got like a really hot liquid. And again, using nature as an example, because all of this stems from nature, we stem from nature too. If we have a look into nature, then we're looking at something like molten lava. Mm. Okay. And then when we apply that to the body and we understand, okay, well, this is the relationship on a quality level with fire and water, then we understand then, okay, it's a hot, fiery liquid. And what that does in nature is if it, if you are at the bottom of a volcano and it starts to erupt and you're just standing there being like, I'll be fine, I'll come out the other end fine, you're not going to be okay, <laughs> no. you're going to be completely transformed. And that's the key functionality of that pitta dosha is transformation and metabolism. Yeah. Right. That, so all the that always fiery got liquid. Me. Yeah. Because mm. I thought, well, water, I mean, that would put it out, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. I couldn't get the two, I couldn't yeah. understand the two together, but now that makes sense. Yeah. And so then it's all your hot, fiery liquids, like your blood, your digestive juices, all of that. They're key functions and key sites, I guess, for pitta in the body. Yeah. So that's vata, and then there's pitta, and then there's kapha. So kapha is the uh, the water again and again it's the qualities of water again and then you're pairing it this time with the final or heaviest element which is the earth and so they're both heavy remember I said it a little earlier like they're both really heavy so you're putting these qualities of these elements together it's going to be really quite heavy because it's heavy and heavy but then you've got that real um that real cold, it's very cold. They're both very cold. It's very liquid, but it's also very slimy and very smooth. And again, going back to nature and trying to plug out an example there, I always like to use uh, the analogy of a very soft, smooth clay. And I don't know if you've done pottery class. I've got it on my to-do list, but I haven't done it <laughs> yet. Classic barter of me, but that's okay. Um, it's there. I will get to it. But if you're in pottery class and you're building something up with this clay, you know, it's very soft. It's very smooth. It's very slimy. If you add more water, it's going to get really quite slimy. But the whole function of that clay is to, you know, build that structure and for cohesion, okay? When you're building up a, a wall, what are you putting in it? You're putting the mortar and it's sticking there. So, it, um, yeah, it helps with... Uh, structuring things together and keeping things very solid. So that's what kapha does in our body. Make sense? Yes. Um, but I need more. So oh. applying that to our body, what, what does it mean? What, is it, what does it feel like to be a kapha? So what it feels, I mean, I'm not kapha. I wish I had more. Um, <laughs> in my next life, I will have some more. I've got that on my list. Um, but... Kapha, to feel kapha typically, not as one, but obviously understanding them, it's going back to those qualities. So one of the key ones, having that heaviness. It, al it always comes back to the qualities, which we call gunas. So if you have a look at the qualities, which is your heaviness, you've got uh, slowness, okay? It can be a dullness. It could be quite cold, quite oily, um, very smooth, dense, all of these things, but stickiness, all of that. If you have a look at those qualities, you can have a look at them on not only a physical level, but you can also look at them on a mental and an emotional level, for, for example, as well. So if you take that sticky quality that kapha has, they can have issues with attachment, okay? Um, I know a couple of kaphas and I'm like, you're such a sticky one, aren't you? Like, you're so sticky. 
um, which is fine. Like I love that. But that stickiness can be issues with attachment if the kapha becomes quite imbalanced. But emotionally, like they've got that softness, they've got that smoothness. So they're really good nurturers. Okay. They love to cook for people typically. And they they have a way of, because they're naturally, uh, they take up more space energetically as well. They're the ones who are so, you know, welcoming and, and um, like, you know, like that, like, you know, a carver, you know, that really warm, yeah, that warm nurturer. That's, yeah, it's the nurturer. So that's kapha on an emotional level, but on a physical level, because like with the clay, it's all about building up structure and cohesion and all of that and, and nourishment as well. They can, well, they're often bigger, bigger boned first and foremost, but then that softness, that smoothness comes through, especially with women with curves, um, beautiful curves. Like if you look at, I don't know if, and yes, no, it's okay to plug Ayurveda and um, the Kardashians. They've done it before. Um, it's okay. You haven't, yeah, you haven't heard it here first. Um, but if you take that real Kardashian look of the curves and the softness of their faces and their features, they're all really kapha. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think that should give you a bit of an idea. Does that yeah, give you- that definitely paints the picture. But one question I have about that, you said that it like the feeling could be that heaviness or that oh, dullness yes yes yes, yes. so what are if, i mean that's not how they would feel all the time if not all the time but when so imbalanced yeah. yeah when imbalanced they're more prone to it and i think that's the key word here is that you know vatas are prone to certain things pittas are prone to certain things and kaphas are prone to certain things so kapha is prone to using your words um of the heaviness and the and the dullness and all of those things if we apply that to mentally then let's look at motivation like motivation isn't their strongest suit when they're imbalanced they can get there but they're slower to get going yeah so if you've got like a client in the gym and they move slower naturally um, whether it's on the treadmill or whatever it is that you're doing just getting started (laughs) just getting started but also just getting started to actually start like up with a PT you know there's a there's a longer slower process of actually getting themselves to that point so that's where it can come through mentally and be expressed in their life um but slow doesn't necessarily definitely doesn't mean that it's um it's not going to happen. It just means that they're better with endurance because if you think of a boulder sitting on top of a, he- a hill, which has a lot of the qualities of kapha, right? Um, if that starts to slowly, slowly move, you're just going to be like, yeah, okay, like when is that going to happen? Like when's that moving? But then as soon as that energy shifts and then you've got that movement, proper movement, that force, okay, it is rolling, 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 and it will just go and go and go. It will out outdo anybody and anything so that's kapha so all of these things they're not negatives it's it's more about understanding them so that you can better understand yourself and then harness your strengths like endurance is one of kapha's key strengths they're naturally really strong yes they can take a little bit longer to get going but once they're there they're the ones who won't burn out as quickly yeah all about momentum it's all about momentum (laughs) just getting the momentum is the key thing that's a key struggle for kapha yeah yeah wow that's kapha let's go to pitta sure so pitta to feel like a pitta or 
to feel pitta because you don't need to just you don't need to be strongest in pitta to not know what pitta feels like though some people feel it more naturally obviously than others but pitta is hot right because it's got the it's got the fire element in it so any if you are naturally more hot-headed okay there's your pitta um <laughs> if you're feeling a little bit more sassy today there's your pitta if you've just had a fourth coffee and you've got a really sharp tongue that sharpness that fieriness they're all qualities of pitta all right in terms of your physical body heat i don't know um you know if anyone has like a partner who's just you sleep next to them and they're just like a little hot pocket they're more pitta okay they have more heat in their body so it's really with pitta it's an easy one because you are really looking for that heat and in terms of imbalances, it's also quite easy to track and trace because you're not only looking for heat, but you're looking ex- of expressions of fire. So look for the color, like look for red. Do you see red? There's pitta. Yeah, right. You know, if there's too much bleeding, there's pitta. If there's inflammation, there's pitta. If you've got red eyes, you've got pitta. Interesting. Yeah. What I found even more interesting is that when I did my um yeah, when I worked out my doshas with you, we found that I was pitta mm-hmm. and then a, a mixture between vata and kapha, like those two were very close um, together in terms of, yeah, what I got. Yes. But I was very dominantly pitta and I'm like, well, I'm not redheaded and I'm not. But then yes. all these things came up for me and I said, yeah, like that hot, fiery heat. I'm very passionate about things and it doesn't take much (laughs) to get me talking about the things that I love. Um, My sisters don't appreciate that sometimes. Um, But yeah, that redness though as well and and just Mm. that irritation, um, skin irritation and yeah, Mm. so I definitely recognise that more when you came, well, we came up um, with that for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, another key aspect of Pitta is what you're doing now is you're happy sitting in front of a camera and talking to people and you're super articulate and, you know, you're expressive (laughs) and all of those things. But, you know, all of that is if you think of fire as that sparkliness, like one of the qualities of Pitta is that it's light, sure, which can be thought of as weight, like fire doesn't have that weight aspect, but it's also that luminosity. And so pittas have that natural ability to shine. So they, I know, um, but they too, because they're a little bit sparkly because they are happy to stand in front of people and have a chat. It still might scare them heat, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but they still do it anyway and they're quite good at it. Um, and I'm talking true pitters here, you know, some pitters might not be as much that way inclined, but it's that competitive streak as well. And I know that you would have that too, in terms of your physical performance, um, uh, in terms of sports and, uh, you know, movement and all of those things. Pitters love that. Tick. Tick. <laughs> yes. So this is why we confirmed pitter was number one for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. It was not such a surprise after all. No. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's go to that very last one. Yeah. So Vata. So Vata, oh, I know this one, you know, <laughs> takes one to know one. Um, but Vata, 
Welcome to my world. So Vata is really light and airy, as I said, it's really windy. And uh, in terms of the mind, I guess that lightness and that quickness and that mobility, if we apply it to the mind, it can be uh, in terms of attention, um, a little bit short-lived sometimes. And especially when in balance, they can be more prone to anxiety, uh, insomnia, all of those things, because there's too much wind going up there. Does that make sense? Like, absolutely. you know, those, uh, those balloon guys at the car dealership. I, just, I know exactly what yeah, that's how <laughs> like I the noodle sometimes. ones. They're just like, yeah, that's but, how yeah. I feel. Not so much anymore. Thank gosh. But you know, <laughs> when I was first coming into Ayurveda, I was like, God, I am like that middle balloon man some days, especially when it's a windy day. That's how I feel. So that's how it's applied to the mind. But in terms of the body, like their overall frame is quite light. Yeah. So it's they're naturally more petite or they're naturally more quite bony and quite slender because they don't have a lot of the kapha, which I said earlier, is all about structure and cohesion and building up of tissues. They don't have a lot of that. And so we need that kapha to ground. Otherwise, we're just really ether ethereal, okay, which can be of benefit because they're naturally really quite creative and they're naturally quite connected to more of, if you believe in this thing, that more ethereal realm. They can connect into that really quite well, but then that can too also be quite imbalanced. Um, but physically as well, yes, we spoke about the body frame, but because dryness is one of the key qualities or gunas of vata, dry skin, conditions that there's dryness. Um, also dry stool. Sorry to talk about poo, but we're going to be talking about that a lot. If we're Happy talking to go about, there. Yeah, poo talk. <laughs> um, I forget that that's a, not a common thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, vata stools, they're either non-existent because they're so constipated um, or they're, you know, like little goat pebbles. So really, really dry when they're imbalanced. Again, they're just prone to these things more than a kapha. A kapha is like, what do you mean you have pebbles as poo? Um, you know, it's just all understanding what you're prone to. Okay. So once we can sort of figure out, I mean, obviously you, you to really understand uh, what your dominant dosha is, there are quizzes that you can do, right? Yes, there's definitely quizzes that you can do. I would always tread with caution. I know I've got one on my website but I think it's just a window of opportunity to satisfy that curiosity if you're doing it online because the whole thing with Ayurveda is it's the art of observation so as a practitioner you're observing someone on really really subtle levels but as a client or not a client just someone who's intrigued by Ayurveda you probably haven't developed the ability to be more objective with yourself yet and so your answers might not be true for example when I first found Ayurveda and I said I had eating disorder and all this very much body dysmorphia so when I was answering the questions about body frame and this I didn't know I didn't answer vata about that I was like well no I'm actually I've always wanted to lose weight which is typically a kapha thing. And I, I, I think I'm more athletic, like I'm not skinny at all. And so then how that skews your answers. So that's why it's really important to reach out to a practitioner 
um, if you can, whether it's online or it's best in person because they can check your pulse as well. But you need someone to be able to guide you through the questions. And if you are doing it online, it might be best to do it with your partner sitting next to you or your mom, or your dad or your sister or sibling because they're going to be like, no, actually you were more like that at 16 because mm. that's when that's when we do the quiz or we reflect on that that moment in time because your natural constitution, which is the combination of doshas that's unique to you, we call that prakriti in Sanskrit, but that's established at around the age of 16, 17. Yeah, which I found so interesting because that was part of, you know, that questioning during my um, consult, mm. which I didn't understand until you said actually not not so much what you're feeling now think about when you were 16 or you know yes. thereabouts because um in that moment I was very symptomatic of you know what was going on at yeah. the time yeah yeah and so Ayurveda really understands that there's two states of being so you've got your prakriti state which is what I said before established at around that age of 16 17 which largely has a lot to do with genetics, obviously, um, but also understanding that your environment also impressions that as well. And that's what science is coming to understand with as well. And epigenetics and all of these things, Ayurveda has always understood that there is a role, not, a, not a, the absolute role, um, but there is a balance between your what you've inherited and then you know, the result of your environment and uh, your surroundings for sure. But that's your prakriti state. And then there's, which you should try and stay imbalanced with. That's the whole like core or key um, objective of an Ayurvedic lifestyle and an Ayurvedic way of living is understanding who you are and then understanding how that prakriti type, doshic constitution lives best so that you keep your vikruti state, which is your current state. And by current state, I mean now, now, now. Like it's literally like that. It's constantly in a state of flux. So you're trying to keep your vikruti state in alignment with your uh, prakriti state. So you want to keep them as close as possible, knowing that seasonally they'll change, um, day to day they'll change, even you know, meal to meal, they might shift a little bit depending on what foods you're having if they're more vata, pizza, kapha, for instance. Can we talk a little bit more about that mm -hmm. just to get my head around it? So if I'm a pitta, but let's just, well, pretend for the moment. Sure. But I'm currently feeling or experiencing more what a kapha would where I'm maybe really sluggish yes yeah, exactly slow yeah. and yeah. really um, you might have a bit of weight gain exactly yeah. yeah yeah what what would how could you then balance them yeah so it always comes back to with anything and I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit more but with Ayurveda no matter how you're feeling or what you're coming to see an Ayurvedic practitioner about they'll always check your agni which is your digestive fire so with because the whole point with or the whole reason for imbalances is from accumulation. So accumulation of toxins, 
impairs your agni, your ability to digest, your ability to metabolize. And it starts in your gut, but then obviously your tissues also have an ability to metabolize as well. And then if it all starts in your gut, then if it all starts in your gut, then with accumulations, if you have an impaired acne, then you'll start developing more toxins. They'll leach into your deeper tissues or you'll accumulate more of the doshas. So in your example, you may be eating too much kapha foods. You might be living too much of a kapha lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. And then that's accumulated and the acne's low. So then you get the physical manifestations because it's left the gut and then it's going into your deeper tissues. And one of the key tissues that is linked to kapha, your densest tissue, uh, is your fat cells. So hence the weight gain and the heaviness and all of that. But you might not even have the weight gain. You just might feel really heavy. And a vata can feel those things too. But it always comes back down to the acne in all cases. Yeah. And rectifying that first. Okay. You've kind of just answered this question, but let's go deeper. Mm-hmm. You've you've realized or we've realized we're out of balance, mm-hmm. whatever that may be or look like Mm -hmm. how do we know then how to get back into balance yeah so you you like i said you look at your acne you look at if you're getting hungry okay if you're not getting hungry if you're um expressing those uh symptoms that you said before which is your heaviness and your sluggishness and difficulty with motivation a bit of weight gain all of those things then you're probably not getting hungry okay um that's just from an ayurvedic reasoning you're probably not get all you're not getting as hungry as what you should be as a pitta because pittas get hangry so it's that dullness (laughs) remember that quality of yeah that dullness of kapha which is a quality so that dullness has increased so you've got dulled appetite which is quite foreign to you so then it's about you know rectifying that but it's also about reducing down the kapha foods which is again going back to the qualities and the gunas it's the heavy foods so with kapha you can think of anything white so anything refined sugar refined carbohydrates potato all your dairy um honestly like all the fun stuff um (laughs) It is, it is. I feel cruel when I have to um, <laughs> prescribe a, a real hardcore kapha diet sometimes um, because it's all the things that we find comfort in. But comfort eating is also a real kapha thing as well. So it's about looking at the diet for sure, reducing down the qualities that you're feeling. So you're feeling heavy, reduce down the heavy foods, have lighter foods. Um, you're feeling heavy, well, how do we make ourselves feel lighter? Um it's through movement and it's often the thing that you don't want to do but <laughs> yes using the analogy of the boulder again with kapha it's understanding and accepting that's okay this is how you're feeling but you have to do it anyway like you literally just have to do it one day at a time and start moving one day at a time and then using the analogy the boulder will start to move and then you'll just keep going you'll be fine yeah mm. perfect can you Give us an example for the other two, so how for to balance, pitta, how to get back into. Yeah. So again, with, with Pitta, so Pitta, the fiery one. So don't go into your saunas in summer, Pittas, you know, like. I, <laughs> I love a good sauna. <laughs> but in winter, go for it. That's fine. <laughs> but it's, it's understanding that if you are 
too hot or you've got issues or imbalances that are presenting as too much heat. And I, I use heat, there's other qualities, but heat is obviously the, the easiest one to understand. But if you have got imbalances that are expressing themselves like that, then it's about cooling down the system. So for instance, if you go to F45 six times a week and your hormones are out of whack and you've got really bad acne and they're really inflamed and you're, you're juggling with a bit of bursitis, then that's not conducive to your pitta. You actually need to get outside in nature. You need to be doing a bit of swimming. You need to be doing a little bit, just walking and trying not to be go, go, go and achieve, achieve, achieve because it's a mental state as well. It's like if for pittas, if, if they're not getting somewhere, what's the point? If they're not achieving something, what's the point? But there is a point and it's about slowing down and being present and getting rid of that sharp quality, which is really in the mind a lot of the time. And that sharpness is that like inner critic, which can be too sharp. So pitters, it's about applying that softness, which is the opposite of the sharpness, right? Because it's all about the like increases like and opposites pacify in terms of the qualities. So if you're having foods that are really heating and really sharp and really penetrating, so sorry, but it's just spice. So too much chili, too much garlic, too many nightshades, all of those things, then you have to really pull back on that, especially if it's summer. And then I touched on the lifestyle perspective. It's all about reining it in a little bit more, going softer on yourself, asking yourself, hey, what do I actually want to do instead of what I feel like I need to do? That's Big a pitter one. thing. Big oh, one yeah. for pitters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a pitter one. Um, does that cover pitter? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. You're like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Tick, tick, uh-huh. tick. Right. I feel seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then for vata, so if you're feeling more vata, which will just say you're feeling more of the qualities of the wind. So you're feeling, you're not feeling grounded, might be feeling a bit um, anxious, not sleeping too well, dry skin, all of that. Well, if you're eating foods that are naturally higher in the qualities of the lightness, the roughness, the coldness and other ones, but then let's just use those three, but lightness, roughness and coldness, that's a really like raw vegan diet. So heaps of rough kale, um, rough kale salad, cold smoothies, cold, 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 heaps of crackers, um, all of those things. You actually need to have switched to warm water and warm foods and things will change in your life. I'm not even joking. I speak from experience. So it's about applying the opposites in your foods, which I said before. And then in terms of your lifestyle, it's about routine because all the doshas need routine for different reasons, but vatas, when they're in balanced, or vatas in general, they have the ability to just mm. like flick from one thing to the next and they think they're doing it well, but they're not. Um, <laughs> again, Ground from yourself. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Speaking from experience, I can say it because I am one, but um, it's about actually giving yourself the rhythm to tap into because your internal rhythm isn't really that strong. You float from one thing to the next quite easily, which it can be beautiful when it's allowed to be. 
um, and it's coming from a more balanced state, like they're not, they don't have an issue with change, for instance, barters. Um, but when you need to be constructive and when you need to feel like you're on top of things, it's about waking up at the same time. It's about um, going to bed at the same time. It's about eating your foods at the same time and not eating on the go for vatas because that mobile quality, they're very, you know, they move a lot. The wind moves a lot. It's about being seated, taking a breath and then eating. Yeah, and not wow. being distracted because vatas, they can be, when they're in balance, like really distracted. Mm. So it's picking out all the things that, and this is for all the doshas, it's picking out the things that you're most concerned about or things that you've noticed have started to, remember, accumulate in the body and starting to express themselves because of that accumulation. And then, like I said, I guess with that scaffolding analogy, it's about um, breaking it down into its parts and being like, okay, well, I'm feeling more flighty. The qualities of that is X, Y, Z. The foods that I'm currently eating or not eating because I'm forgetting to eat are X, Y, Z. I need to focus on the opposite to balance it. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Already thinking of the things that I need to um, <laughs> yeah. stop doing. Yeah. Stop doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it possible? I don't, I don't know if you've kind of answered this. But is it possible to have like a mental constitution and a physical constitution? Because yes. I feel like that, as we've said, I'm I'm that pitta type, but I feel like I can can get in my head. I can mm. be a bit flighty. Mm -hmm. um, I love to really think about things and get creative. Mm. Um, yeah. So sometimes I wonder is is that a thing or it's a thing. Yeah, it it's is a definitely thing. a thing. It's definitely a thing. And I think it's understanding that that's how your unique constitution, your prakriti is, well, like I said, I'm using the word again, but it's so unique to you because where the vata falls in you, where the pitta falls in you, where the kapha falls in you is just as unique as your prakriti quiz score, okay? And I think uh, understanding where, and this is probably going too broad, but I've and more, more in depth, but Ayurveda literally taps into everything. So I'll brush over it. But for instance, there's different seats in the body where vata, pitta, and kapha are more condensed. So for instance, vata, nervous system, colon. Okay. So if you're talking about, Jackie, that you have the tendency to still feel a little bit flustered and this and, you know, maybe get a bit anxious and, and all of that, then your vata how it's expressed for you could be more within the nervous system than your pitta or your kapha. And your vata isn't necessarily in your colon, which is also a key site. Um, you've got more pitta guts, for instance. There's another one, I think using the, they're not necessarily opposites. They're almost opposites, I would say, like the vata and the kapha as well. So remembering vata being that more airy type, uh, and then windy type, and then you've got kapha being that denser, more grounded type. If you look at the qualities side by side, they're like the opposites, okay? So if someone's really imbalanced in vata and they're all the way up here, you're going to give them more kapha passive, like more kapha increasing foods and uh, lifestyle to try and bring that down. And the opposite applies for kapha imbalance, right? So with 
a, a, a Kafa Vata constitution or a Vata Kafa constitution because they don't mean the same thing. Um, they're really interesting because you can have a Vata mental constitution which has all the qualities like I've said before about that lightness and that airiness and that nervous system of a Vata but be in a more Kapha dominant body. So have more curves, be earthier, um, be uh, more prone to phlegm and maybe a digestive system as well that is slower and more sluggish. But your mental constitution and maybe even emotional constitution is more Vata. Mm, flighty yeah? and more flighty, yeah. more nervous, more fear prone, um, issues with insomnia, issues with anxiety, but really creative and inspired and all of those things. That's possible too. Anything's possible, but it's um, yeah, it's a really good question because it it definitely does exist, but it always exists. Because, you know, for instance, with myself, like I, I'm probably like a type A Vata Pitta. I am very Vata in my mental and emotional constitution, but also in my physical constitution with more of that Pitta coming through as a secondary in both. So it's quite, I guess, even and obviously spread. But in your question, it's not always that obvious, mm. which is why you need to go beyond just an online quiz if you're really interested with Ayurveda because you need to have a practitioner or an Ayurvedic doctor to actually guide you and figure out, okay, well, where is your vata? Where is your kapha? Where is your pitta in terms of your mind, your emotions and your body? So if you're feeling really heavy, sluggish, but also really nervous, mm -hmm. what do you do? Where do? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> So you have to come back to the acne. You have to come back to where your guts are at. Okay. You have to come back if you're getting hungry or you're not getting hungry. You need to make sure that you're getting hungry because both of those things, that nervousness, I've been using Vata over here, sorry, can't switch it up halfway through. So Vata <laughs> is over here. So if you're saying you're more nervous and anxiety and all of those things, but then you've got that sluggishness and, and you've got all of that, which is, yes, typically more kapha, this is where it gets tricky because the symptoms of poor agni, digestive fire, is the sluggishness, is the heaviness, is all of those things. And signs of toxin overload is all of those things too. It presents quite similarly to kapha. So when someone comes in and they're really vata imbalanced but they've got those uh, symptoms that you're, you're explaining before, you have to be able to determine whether it is kapha imbalance or agni and ama toxin imbalance so do you see how it's not it's actually a science like it's it is Absolutely. a science of observing <laughs> it's not that easy it should be easy when you go oh yes the elements isn't that nice oh yeah the doshas oh what mm. am i isn't that fun but it's so much more than that absolutely yeah it's so much more than that that's where you come into it. <laughs> yes, or someone like me. It doesn't have to be me. Yeah. So tell us more about the dosha clock because yes. that's part of what you gave to me um, when I did my consult. Mm. And um, I'm still confused around it, to be honest. <laughs> that's okay. We can touch on it again. Uh, so... so with me, for example, the pitta clock, 
Actually, maybe the just explain explain what yeah. it is first. I'll go. I'll roll it out. So <laughs> it out. the whole idea with the doshas is that just like the elements there in everything, everyone in different amounts. So if we break it down into time, then different times of day are going to be governed by the energies that are more dominant in vata, pitta, kapha. Make sense? Yeah. So. <laughs> so okay. So keep for instance, keep it rolling. <laughs> yep. uh, that boulder just keep rolling. <laughs> exactly. Slow so, to catch on as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's a big topic. So um, with the time, when you wake up in the morning, well, hopefully you wake up before six, and if you don't, you should. But the reason being for that is at six a.m. to ten a.m. That's a kapha time of day. The reason being is the qualities or the gunas of kapha, for instance, to name a few, that slowness, that dampness, that coldness, all of that, that sluggishness, that's all more dominant during that time of day. So kaphas especially, when they wake up, they're not good at waking up because they're slower, they've got that dullness, the motivation isn't there, all of that. They love to sleep. They're great at sleeping. So getting them moving in the morning is really difficult, especially if they don't wake up before six because as that window of time goes on, like the kapha accumulates. So if you are anyone really, but if you're waking up at say eight o'clock, you're going to feel really heavy more so than if you had to catch like a red eye flight like I had to do the other day and being up at 4.30 in the morning, you're like, wow, that was hard, but now I'm up and I'm like, bing. Totally. Because the energy is different mm. and we'll get to what that energy is. But in the morning, because it is more kapha dominant, it's about, okay, how do we push past that heaviness, that slowness, that dullness? It's not only just for kaphas, but for all of us, it's understanding then how to utilise and work against or with the energies that are more dominant and present at that time. So we should all be waking up either quite a bit before six or right smack bang on six and doing some movement. It's about um, moving the body. That's a key focus in, in the morning. It's about getting the whole body moving. It's not just, um, you know, our physical bodies through exercise, but it's about getting your elimination moving as well. We don't want that to be sluggish. So that's kapha time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah? Definitely. Okay, good. Yeah. It's, yeah okay, good. it's all coming together now for okay. me. Because you're kind of in that you're kind of in that mode now where you go quiet and this is what clients do. And I'm not sure if I'm making sense or I'm making quite a bit of sense. So is I have she's to check still in with, with me. You. Are you here? Okay. Yeah. Have you glazed yeah. over? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's not about correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I'm getting for it. So you, as you said, everyone should be waking up at or before six yeah, and yeah. because it's that kapha time, time that's the, that bring <clears throat> that's the kind of um would you say elements of what you'd want to pull from that morning so it is moving slowly or well it can it can be it's in the morning you don't want it's counterproductive to be slow right right <clears throat> so you're, it's the actually, you're actually trying to do the opposite gotcha and we'll okay. get to what it's like in the evening afterwards because okay. that will kind of make a lot more sense after that. But when you push past that kapha time and you've done all the things, then you're, you've arrived at more pitta time 
in the middle. Pitta's always in the middle. So if you go from 10 a.m. to 2, that's Pitta time. If you think of where the sun is in the sky, Pitta, sun, fire, up, okay? It's peaking. You're peaking. Your digestive fire is peaking. Your, um, your sharpness intellectually in terms of all the jobs that you're doing, whether it's work or whatever, like you have peaked, you are in a rhythm, okay? You've, your fire's ignited and that's because of that pit of time of day. But then it's really important remembering back to the key functionality of Pitta, which is transformation. Yes, you're getting all your tasks done, you've hit it, all of that. But then it's about metabolizing too, which is then really important to be eating your biggest meal at that time because your acne, which is fire, which is digestive metabolic fire, is also peaking. So when you skip lunch, which so many Westerners do because our society doesn't if you're working in a really you know stressful job they might say well you know you can have lunch but like we'd prefer it they'd never say it but they kind of assume that you just won't yeah or you'd eat at your desk and that's really bad for your acne and remembering that everything really starts with your acne and ayurveda so if you miss that opportunity to eat then you're not obviously refueling and you're not um nourishing yourself but you're going to burn yourself out you're going to actually burn out your acne. Your flame's going to go out. And then by the time you have your really big dinner at dinner time, you don't have an acne there to digest it. So then it doesn't metabolize and you get your toxins and then you might be putting on weight and all of these things. So that's why it's important to look after yourself and your pizza during pizza time. It plays into your strengths in terms of you want to be getting, that's why you move so that you're not too sluggish in the morning and you miss and, and that sluggishness carries over into that peak pit of time, which is there for you to harness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's not glazed. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then at 2 PM you've eaten all of that. You've done most of the, um, the harder tasks of the day that really require you to think and process and analyze. Then from two to six, that's more Vata time. And that's when we all, but especially Vata's, they'll get really quite airy and a little bit light and it's a bit more scattered, like, oh, I can't really concentrate right now. That's when Vata energy starts to become more high. And um, it's a really good time to ground. It's a really good time to focus on tasks that don't require you to probably A, start, because that requires a lot, um, but really focus on it's about wrapping up things or maybe creative tasks and brainstorming and, and all of that that's more vata okay and when we when we do our biggest exercise I guess at about like five or if you're doing a lot of exercise at that time maybe you finish work early at three or four and you've gone to the gym but you're actually exasperating that mobile quality in vata a little bit too much so it's not for everybody. Some people might be okay with it, but generally speaking, that's why we do movement in the morning to push past that kapha, not exasperate that vata. Because over time, that vata will accumulate, um, not all at once, but again, over time. So then that's vata. Is that all good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, good. yeah. <laughs> so then you repeat it. So then you've got your 6 p.m. this time to 6 uh, to 10 p.m., which we revert back to kapha time. But in this instance, we actually are trying to work with the kapha, the slowness, the dullness, you know, the softness, the 
cohesiveness. It's about connecting with your friends, with your family to, to eat, not eat too much because that will be really quite heavy um, because your acne is winding down by that point. But it's definitely about connecting with other people. It's about trying to wind yourself down to sleep. So again, using what so many people do, sometimes out of pure need because of their work schedule and whatnot. So I'm not here to shame anyone who needs to do this to get their movement in and to make themselves feel good. But generally speaking, when you go to the gym during kapha time, you're increasing not only your vata because of the movement, but you're getting hot. So you're increasing your heat again and you're spiking that pitta up again. And what that does is you're spiking it up again. Sure, you can probably digest your dinner, maybe not, maybe a little bit more, but Pitta then comes in from 10 p.m. to 2. And instead of it being all about metabolizing your food and transforming your day, it's then applying that to uh, metabolizing and transforming the impressions of your day, your emotions, digesting your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. Um, It's about detoxing overnight as well in that period of time. And so people can also get insomnia from having too much pitta. It's not always just vata in the nervous system, but it's because they've stayed up too late past 10 p.m. They've gotten that second wind or I could say second fire and the pitta's up and then it stays up. And then they're like, ah, why does anyone sleep? It's so not productive to be sleeping, classic pittas. And they will just stay up and then they'll, become very burnt out by doing that pattern but the whole reason why we need to be asleep at that time is because we need to transform we need to digest we need to metabolize but not in the same way as the day yeah yeah and then we go into vata time again which is that 2 a.m to 6 a.m which is if you look at the elements of vata which is your ether and your air it's more ethereal that time it's a very auspicious time uh, it's a time when you wake up for the red eye flight, you feel like you're the only one in the world who's awake at that time. Um, it's very calm. It's very spacious. Um, so those times it's really good to wake up at say, calfers can wake up quite early, but say five o'clock, that would be great if you did, because then you would feel that lightness. And you would feel more connected to that energy. And then you're going to be able to get your movement done. You're going to be able to get hungry for breakfast, all of those things. And then it flows back. And it's about tapping into that universal rhythm. That's incredible. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> now I get it. You get it. Was it was funny because I was looking at it and I just thought, I don't, I'm not going to wake up at 10 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what it meant at all. No, not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> not to be confused. <laughs> exactly. That makes so much sense, though, because I find that, yes, exactly when I'm when I'm in balance, not imbalance, mm. so when I'm feeling great, mm. that, that 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., oh, on fire, baby, pun yeah. intended. Yes. <laughs> Yes, well go. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, when I'm out of balance, I yeah, I, I, it makes a difference. Like it, I can tend to feel really slow and sluggish. So understanding that for me is, um, oh, such a game changer. It is. It's a little, um, it's a life hack. 
Mm. It is such a life hack and it's something that you can always just intuitively also tap into. Like if you know that it's, if you know how you're feeling and like I said, if you're feeling more of those kapha qualities that we're using as examples, you're like, okay, but what time am I waking up? Am I, I'm waking up at 7.30 now, aren't I? Okay, yeah. Mm. I'll rein that back in. Because it's really hard sometimes when you start to feel a bit off and out of yourself and, and out of body almost and out of balance. It's like, where do you start? And Absolutely. so if you can just go back to what time you're waking and the first few things that you do for yourself in the day, then you can then click better into that universal flow. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I found that for sure. So let's move on. What if, what if someone has, I don't know how far we're like, Ayurveda goes into this, but in terms of like the food intolerances, gut health, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's the IBS, the the Crohn's, like all Mm. of these different but similar and more predominantly, you know, in this day and age, um, Mm. these, would you call them diseases, um, you know, happening in the gut now. Mm. When we're looking at the Ayurvedic way and our doshas, Mm. how can we apply what we know there to could we say a very Western um, disease or challenges with gut health? Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it comes back to acne. Well, I don't think, I know. It comes back to acne. So it's a really good uh, example, gut health, as as broad as the topic is. I guess with Ayurveda it's quite a simple thing because Everything starts in the gut, according to Ayurveda. So if it's still in the gut then and it hasn't gone into the deeper tissues, then we can really just isolate it in the gut. But it's not often the case. Even if someone's got Crohn's or they've got IBS, it's nine times out of ten they're going to have the expressions of those imbalances in their deeper tissues too. Um, so with you use IBS, IBS is such a broad term. Um, and it's, I had IBS before Ayurveda and it's a really frustrating thing to be diagnosed with, um, because the symptoms are so broad and it's a checklist and, and I get it. I, I, I get why it's so infuriating as the person who's diagnosed, but it's also must be infuriating for, uh, medical professionals as well, because it's like, oh, well, you've got this very broad thing and sometimes this works, sometimes this works, sometimes this works. But if you then can break IBS down to more Vata type IBS, more constipation, more gas, more bloating, and if you can then apply the Pitta type IBS, which is more fiery, so much looser stools, um, more inflammation, uh, typically more Crohn's, you'd say, as an example as well. Um, But anything really inflammatory-based, a lot of heartburn, uh, GERD, for instance, very pizza. But then you also apply the Kapha-type IBS as well. So you've got heaviness, mucus, uh, sluggishness, all of those things. That's more Kapha-type IBS or gut issues in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Because then if you understand that, 
then you've got, again, more of a, a roadmap to understanding. And I really hope that the West can take this on I because re- it, it, it really helps to narrow down what IBS is to that individual. It's not saying that they don't have irritable bowel syndrome because they do, but it's understanding a roadmap as per their doshas and their uniqueness, um, how to get that agni, which it is, it's an imbalance in agni, how they can improve that specifically mm. to their doshas. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a, about understanding what type of irritation. Yes, exactly, what the irritant is, what the accumulation mm. is, mm. yeah, where that's Amazing. coming from. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda and the menstrual cycle. Big one. Yeah. How, how can we use Ayurveda to support our hormones? So. Or is it the same, just, just everything you've said? It kind of is. Like you have yeah. to look at your acne always. Yeah. I keep banging on about it, but you do always have to look at the acne because, and I'll tell you why, obviously. Um, <laughs> I <but> hope so. <laughs> with, with, this, with, the, with the acne, when I said a little bit earlier that everything starts there, your acne is your, yes, your digestive fire your jathara acne is your king acne so that's seated in your in your guts but every tissue i said earlier has its own acne has its own metabolic state so if you think about cellular metabolism it's got its own acne okay it's an acne there so it's not only just on the gut level that you have metabolism it's all the way out or all the way in to your most smallest cells okay cellular acne so then there's the middle ground so if you think of if you think of you eating something whatever it is that you love and you're taking that in and your acne is able to properly digest that assimilate that break it down and then it then leaves the gut okay and there's no toxins or armor that's accumulated because the waste has been excreted properly then all the nutrients is then going to go over into your plasma and then it's going to go into your blood and then it's going to go nourish your muscles all the way out to what is your then reproductive tissues. So that's the chain of effect and chain of tissue nourishment. I skipped a couple because you've got a screen here and I I can't, I've got to narrow it in a little (laughs) bit. That's right. Keep it small. (laughs) Yeah, dot, dot, dot there. Um, Reproductive tissues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So it's understanding that in order for your tissue, and this applies to fertility as well in Ayurveda, but if you are not properly nourishing or getting the nourishment via your acne, then your tissue nourishment is also going to be impaired. And not always all of them. It's not always directly linear or obviously linear in everybody, but you need to make sure that the tissue nourishment's there. And so with uh, menstruation, it's, it's the same principles as looking for the qualities. So if someone's coming in, for instance, they've got a really scanty period or they um, have uh, amenorrhea, amenorrhea, so they don't have a period, that's often nine times out of 10 caused from vata that can be vata lifestyle that can be vata food that can be trauma that can be just their constitution and they're coming off the pill that was my experience because they're naturally drier individuals getting that period back um, after the pill can be quite difficult 
okay? But it's understanding then if they also have a lot of pain. Uh, pain is very neurological, obviously, and remembering that I said that vata linked to nervous system, one of the main seats. So whenever there's pain, there's vata in some way. But that doesn't mean that kaphas, it can't be vata, pitta, and kapha imbalanced menstruation. Um, well, that's too complex to get into, I think, today. But um, <laughs> I could yes. just go there. I'm just itching to go there, but I'm not going to go there. Um, but that, typically speaking, that's really vata. And then pittas, you know, when they're too hot, they can have uh, a lot of issues with skin, okay? A lot of their skins will really flare up. Um, at different stages of their cycle commonly though um, it's in the lead up before their period like the week before because that's when pitta spikes in our system all women but pittas will really feel it and so they might get the skin they might have really heavy periods bright red heavy periods but a lot of inflammation and then kaphas they um, are more prone to like those really thick clots so we did the poo talk. Now we're doing the clot talk. The blood talk. <laughs> yeah, the blood talk, yes. Um, so they're more prone to clotting. They're just anything to do with a lot of tissues, a lot of um, uh, water retention, weight gain, all of those things. They're really kapha, uh, commonly kapha in terms of their menstruation. So it's all about, again, looking at what the qualities are of imbalance of your cycle. But I wouldn't be recommending anybody self-navigating this because your menstruation is fundamental to your health and I, don't, I wouldn't suggest someone just trying something off the internet unless they really know for sure uh, because you could be doing more imbalancing and confusing your body more. So I can't stress that enough. Yeah, absolutely. Get help. Get help. At the beginning of the interview, we spoke a teeny tiny bit on rituals and yes. how you can have ones that really support you and then yes. ones that don't. Yes, so, like your coffee first thing in the morning. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Eat first. Eat first. What else are, what, what are there, what other rituals do you think that we should know about or potentially um, start to do? Start to do. So warm water, very important, uh, especially for females. And that's uh, a common practice in both Eastern sciences, so your Chinese medicine and your Ayurvedic medicine. But it's very important for the digestive system. Um, we, cold water is really jarring. Okay, We want to keep things warm, and especially for menstruation as well, we want to keep things warm for females and well, males as well, but I can't stress females enough. And it helps with your digestion. It helps with your assimilation. If you're sipping warm water throughout the day, instead of guzzling your, you know, liter and a half of, you know, cold, even room temperature in winter is cold mm. water, then you aren't stunting your agni, your digestive fire. You always got to think of your agni as a little flame. So you're not wanting to douse it. Okay, because you have a metabolic capacity of digesting and assimilating water as well. So you don't want to overdo that um, by drinking too much all at once, and especially if it's cold. So warm water is really important. Uh, that's what I always get clients to get onto. Uh, yes, it will taste a bit like bath water, 
to begin with, sure. Um, you can have some herbal tea in there or, or whatever, whatever it is, but if you can just change the temperature of your water, that will really help with your digestive system first. And obviously, as I said earlier, that's where everything starts. So that's a ritual, I guess. And your with rituals in Ayurveda, it's your routine. So it's the little things, obviously, that make up the routine. So if you break it down, it's your warm water. That's your key takeaway. But it's the first thing that you put into your body, which would be warm water, or you have some ginger tea, um, or you have some CCF tea, which is coriander, cumin, and fennel seeds. That's really great for the digestion, and it's really balanced as per all the doshas. So we say that that's tridoshic. But if you can scrape your tongue every morning as well, first thing you do when you wake up, then you have your little warm water or your tea, and then you do some morning movement and everything else flows from there. So like that's that's your ritual and that's my ritual. And it gets to the point where you don't even know that you're doing it. You just know it feels good. And there's so many other rituals that you can do. There's your abhyanga, there's your oil massage, um, there's your dry brushing, there's your um, oil pulling, there's your ear pulling, there's your nasya, you've got oil up your nose. Like It's really endless. But I think with Ayurveda, what's really important and what I stress with, with clients is you just, you got to start with the things that are accessible and make you feel good and build upon those things. And there's Absolutely. no rush for it. There's no rush. Mm, no pressure. Exactly. That's right. Mm. Take it easy on yourself. Yeah. I've got two out of those three, so I'm really happy with that. Well done. Um, the warm water. Yeah. I used to do that. I don't know what stopped me, but. It's winter, girl. You should be having I do, your warm water. I do chug down water, but it's room yeah. temperature. All right. Well, we but can I start like, today. I like the water. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll be starting. Yeah. But yeah. I do drink a lot of tea. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But my morning, just that one more. Warm water. Yeah. All yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Madeline, this has been amazing. Tell us, what mm. does a consult with you look like? Mm. A lot of this, probably, like a lot of chatting, <laughs> yeah. um, a Back lot of me explaining. Um, I, I think uh, I had a client actually recently. She said to me, I feel like I've been seen for the first time. And I always stress like it's not me, it's, it's Ayurveda. Um, it's, again, that framework that Ayurveda helps you to better understand yourself um, through the through the testing, through the practice analysis, but then going through your current you know conditions and being able to apply a vata pitta kapha to it, and then coming up with a game plan, and then not only that, but it actually feels good when you're doing it. That's what Ayurveda is. But with a consultation, I mean, g generally speaking, it's it's chatting, it's you opening up. Um, you have, you have to be open to Ayurveda because you have to be able to let the practitioner in on certain things. Not everything and things can layer by layer come back, but you have to be willing to step into Ayurveda yeah. in order for you talk to get stuff out of Ayurveda. Yeah, talk about your poo. Yeah. Period. And periods, yeah, yep. for sure. <laughs> All those things. Yeah, great. But you make it so easy as well to open up because mm. you have this beautiful presence and 
uh, acceptance as well. Like there's no, there's no pressure there. And, um, you know, that you're there to help. Mm. So, Thank you. um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful space and I highly recommend it. And, you know, our bodies speak this language and, you know, we, the more we learn, the more we understand what it's communicating with us. So I couldn't have said it more perfect myself. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was great. I would have said that myself. (laughs) How do people find you? Okay. So you can find me uh, on Instagram if you need. It's Modern Ayurvedic or at Modern Ayurvedic. And uh, my website is modernayurvedic.com.au. And our clinic or my clinic is located in Goodwood at Goodhub. I'm not sure how many people would be aware of that, but it's just a humble little clinic room there. And that's on Goodwood Road in, in Adelaide, South Australia. But I also do Zoom as well. Beautiful. So you do the virtual consults as well. Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. One lucky last question. And you've sure. you've given us so much <laughs> today. Thank you so much. But if if there's something that we've missed, how do we make implementing Ayurveda into our lifestyle maybe easier or or less intimidating? Mm. Remember that you'll never be a guru. Like, well, that's not the goal. You know, I think with Ayurveda and it's, it's meant to be humbling, even as a practitioner, I don't know everything other practitioners might know more and that's okay. And then their doctors and their teachers will know more and you'll know, you'll learn exactly the amount that you need to apply to yourself right now. And that's okay. You don't need to read all the books. You don't need to take on absolutely everything. It doesn't need to change your life to anybody else who's looking in, but you just need to do things at your pace or maybe not at a Kaffa's pace if you're a (laughs) Kaffa. A little bit faster than that. You need a little kick from your practitioner, which is fine. Um, But it's just understanding that you don't need to be the guru in this. I think that's we need to be applying that to our lives in general. It's everything. everything. And it's the pitters especially. Pitters feel like they need, they put that pressure on themselves for sure, more than the others. Yeah. Madeline, this has been so sensational. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I feel like um, I've been the client in this. Now I know how many questions I fire (laughs) at my clients and I apologize to all of you, self included. Wow. Uh, Well, you did great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was Madeline Holmes from Modern Ayurvedic and I would love to know what is one thing that you are going to apply from this episode. I know what my thing is, <laughs> that is the water. I think the warm water in the morning is going to be a game changer for me because all the morning stuff that I've applied lately has really made a difference and I can't wait to add that to it because I feel like there's there was just that missing link and I feel like that's it. So I'm super excited to add that into my rituals. 
tell me what what you're adding into yours i would love to know you can find me over on instagram jackie tan forgot my name for a moment there what is it again jackie tan underscore rmt that's what it is I would love to know what you are going to add. If you want to be getting in touch with Madeline, you can find her at Modern Ayurvedic on Instagram or make sure you head over to her website, check out her offerings and book in an appointment, whether that's face-to-face or online. I can highly recommend, as I said, I worked with her last year, 2021, and it's helped me so much. And uh, I keep learning more about myself and different symptoms that pop up and knowing this stuff has really helped me. So I can highly recommend it. Go check it out and let me know how you go with it all. If you love this episode, please subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a review because all of this helps this little show get out to even more people. Have the best day, week, month and year. And here is to a world of bodies built better. Better.